Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your, my, your host. My guest this hour is Sandy Bodkin. Uh, he is the president of the Tax Reduction Institute and also the author of a new book called Achieve Financial Freedom, uh, big time, wealth building secrets from everyday millionaires. Welcome to the show, Sandy. Ah, Jordan, it's a pleasure to be on. Uh, let's just start a little bit with your background. If people are not aware of how famous and, and wonderful you are, uh, tell people about how you've gotten to where you are today. Well, let's see. I'm a, I'm a lawyer. I'm a CPA and I'm a, uh, a frequent writer. I've written a number of articles and books. Uh, I started off working at the IRS. And when I was at IRS, I realized people way overpaid their taxes. And they didn't know that they didn't have the documentation required. There was very few books on this, on what you really need to do to bulletproof your records. And the thing that got to me was my parents. My parents were the largest antique dealers in probably North America. But despite having a good business, they didn't drive fancy cars. They didn't, you know, take fancy vacations. But one day my father let me look at his tax return. And despite being prepared by one of the more notable CPAs in Long Island, uh, we filed amended tax returns to get back $12,000. It was the first vacation my mother and father ever took outside of the country. And about four and a half years later, my mother coincidentally died of lung cancer. So I decided to quit working for the government which, and to start my own company called the Tax Reduction Institute to show people how they can so – I wanted to show middle – I had a lot of very wealthy people who wanted me to consult with them, but that's not who I wanted to deal with. I wanted to show middle-class workers, small businesses, like my parents, how they can reduce their taxes and bulletproof their records at the same time. Now, while I was doing that, and I've done seminars all over the country, some of which have been with you and so on, uh, my legal book salesman, every lawyer and accountant has a legal book salesman, came up to me and said, you know, there's, I, I want to get my parents into a nursing home, but there's nothing to show exactly what to look for. And, what, and I have a lot of other questions that there really isn't, like insurance and, and all kinds of other stuff. Uh, investments, and every book I, I, I see, is almost every book other than your stuff, obviously, Jordan, is biased. They either want you to sell insurance, or they want to sell insurance, or they want you to use their company, or they give you bad information. There's one guy who wrote a book on, on setting up trusts and avoiding taxes, and he went to jail. Or they give you, or all they are is giant um, advertising for other books. And when we first said that, I said, oh, it can't be true. There's all kinds of financial books out there. But as I looked, I think he was absolutely right. There was very little good information. And for the most part, it wasn't independent. So I decided, but the problem was, I, you know, well, I know about financial. I'm, I'm a tax lawyer. But I do lecture with a lot of very famous people. And my wife came out with a good idea. You know, she said, if you, if you want to fly like an eagle, you, you don't hang around with turkeys, meet with these successful people and see if you can interview them, which I did with my, I and my son. 
and we interviewed some very successful multimillionaires. I mean, for example, when we talked about how to save money, we met a guy who owned a bank. When we talked about how to get out of debt, we met a special company that specializes in that, in doing that exactly. Um, the new scams that are going on in North America, I met a guy who was one of the top prosecution attorneys in the Justice Department, and so on. So I met some very successful people who really show, showed in the book what they're doing to become successful and how they can become a multimillionaire. And that, that interview process carried through to the book. It makes it very readable and very, um, very engaging. And the people who read this book they achieve financial freedom big time. They're going to put a lot of money in their pocket for a long time. Absolutely. There's lots of great stuff we're going to get to, lots of details to talk about. Before we do that, I just want to kind of set the scene a little bit here. Uh, here we are about a month away from the dreaded fiscal cliff where taxes are going to soar on dividends, on capital gains, on estate taxes, on regular income, on the Obamacare health care tax. Uh, first of all, what is your sense of whether it's going to happen? And if it does happen, is it going to have this cataclysmic effect that everybody's predicting? And if so, what should people do now to prepare themselves for going over the fiscal cliff? You know, there's an old, there's an old saying by Rostenkowski. He used to say, don't tax, don't tax you, don't tax me, tax the guy around the tree over there. Right. I mean, if tax rates go up, it, it will affect retirees. There's no question. Retirees who get a lot of dividends and stuff like that to have to pay ordinary income is going to be a real hit for them. But I don't think it's going to be the, cat, the catastrophic effect that everybody says it's going to be. It's just not. I mean, we, we had those tax In 1970s, we had tax rates as high as 70%. And these things that are going up is not going to be 70%. So, no, I don't think it's going to be the catastrophic thing that everybody's talking about. In some ways, it's good. Because raising more taxes will help pay off the deficit, which I think the government really, really needs to do. The giant gorilla sitting in the corner is the deficit. And they really need to take a, get a handle on that. So what are you recommending people do now, assuming there is no deal, that we do go over the fiscal cliff, these tax rates go up January 1st? What are you telling your clients now to do to prepare for that? Well, you know, obviously, it's, this is a very uncertain time. So I'll be honest with you. I've never seen anything as uncertain, especially in the tax area, as today. But my, my advice to them is, look, I think some things will, will change. I, I don't think dividends will be ordinary income. I think the capital gains rates, there will be a special rate on capital gains. But I would say it's a pretty safe bet that taxes are going to go up. I mean, there are certainly, not only is it scheduled to go up, but there are some things that I think are pretty much guaranteed to go up. For example, those that make over 200,000 single or 250,000 married are going to pay more on, they're going to pay another 3.8% on, so, on their rents, dividends, and interest. It's going to happen. That's built in to the health care reform law. Uh, there, there's going to be some extra taxes in, in other ways. The tax rates are going to go up, especially for those people making over 200,000, but it's going to go up for everybody. A lot of people think it's just going to go up for just them. That's not true. For example, um, Social Security is going from 13.3% on 110,000 to 15.3% on 113,700. Everyone will get affected by that who makes over, uh, well, well, everyone, doesn't matter who they are, everyone will be affected by that. Um, some of the tax rates at the lower end are scheduled to go up. Whether they'll keep that the way it is now or change it, I don't know. So I'm planning, and the, the way we're doing year-end tax planning is we're assuming that the tax rates are going to go up. And I've got to tell you something. With a $16 trillion deficit and no one in Congress seeming to want to take care of this situation, I think you're going to see tax rates go up and up and up. This is just the beginning. So you basically just accept it, or I mean, some people want to 
renounce their citizenship and move to Antarctica or something. I mean, well, unfortunately, in the United States, you can't do that because even if you do try to renounce your citizenship, uh, you're, you're still subject to U.S. taxation policy for 10 years. <laughs> Special rule on that. But uh, now moving to Monaco is not my <laughs> is not my uh, suggestion. I think there's a lot of tax planning. I have a whole book, Lower Your Taxes Big Time, which basically isn't affected at all by any of these things. So, I mean, there's a lot of, of tax planning books and tax material that I think people can use to reduce their taxes, even under the current system. In fact, if anything, it's even more important, because as the tax rates go up, you get a bigger bang for your buck for each deduction. So it's right. even more important. Then, uh, one of another big gorilla on, on, on the shoulder here is the estate tax. Right now, we have a 5.1 million exemption from estate tax. That's a big deal. And if you set up a marital trust and do all the fun things you can do with estate tax, you can avoid up to over 10 million of, of assets. This is scheduled to drop to 1 million. Now, whether Congress will make a change, I don't know. President Obama says he wants to do a 3.5 million uh, exemption, but no one really knows. And it's very hard to plan for that. But at least there are some things that people can do to certainly reduce their probate. I mean, you can eliminate probate completely and to at least snap substantially diminish the estate tax bite. You can maybe not eliminate it, but substantially diminish it. And I think planning is the key. If there's ever a time for people to go see their accountant or financial planner, this is the time. And not only that, but you've got to keep abreast as to what's happening. As I said, I don't think it's going to be catastrophic. This physical cliff thing is a big deal. They're just trying to make news. But it, Congress is going to make changes, and people need to keep abreast as to what they're doing and see how it affects them individually in their investments, their estate taxes, liability, and all the other things that Congress will be changing. Uh, just tell us a little bit about, before we get into the substance of the book, your website at Tax Reduction Institute and what kind of things people can find at that website. Okay. We have, we have a website called TaxReductionInstitute.com. We have another website that I want to give everybody. It's called TaxBot. T-A-X-B-O-T.com, and I'll mention the difference. The Tax Reduction Institute has all kinds of information on uh, reducing your taxes for small business people, including all kinds of calculators that people can use. I mean, what do you, how much do you have to put away to become a millionaire? How much do you have to put away to put a set amount of money in for college, college savings, and a whole bunch of other calculators that I recommend. It also has how to get unlimited consulting if you want to get your tax questions answered, uh, audit protection, and a bunch of other things. Now, TaxBot is a very interesting application. It's more than an application, actually, a service that we developed for the iPhone and for the Droid and for the iPad and Droid tablet. And with TaxBot, it's kind of, it's very interesting. It basically bulletproofs you against the IRS or Canada Revenue Agency by having all the tax questions right in front of you 365 days a year every time you incur an expense. So let's say you're going to have entertainment. All the questions for who, where, why, when, what, and how much are right there. All you do is fill it out. It automatically goes to the web through your phone. It has an integrated scanner with it, uh, so you can take a picture of the receipt and never have those receipts fade, which is a huge problem. or will lose the receipts. And then it has an integrated GPS with a mileage tracker. So when you go to various clients or various prospects, all you do is press one button. It keeps track of all your mileage between business and personal, and you don't even have to worry about the round trip. It'll automatically give you the round trip if you want. I mean, it's tremendous. It summarizes it, stores it on the web, and gives you a report. That's called taxbot.com, and I recommend everybody take a look at that. How uh, much does that well. cost? Does it cost something to subscribe to taxbot.com? Yes, $10 a month. Wow, that's cheap. It's <laughs> very cheap. And so it's a way of keeping track of all your records. A nice rebate there. Yeah, way of keeping track, track of all your records. Okay. All right, good. 
Um, the very beginning of your book, which again is called Achieve, Ta- Achieve Financial Freedom Big Time, is uh, you've got to start somewhere. It's basically about setting goals. Uh, before we go to the break, uh, what, what is your sense of why people don't set goals in the first place? Well, first of all, they don't know to do it. <laughs> That's one reason. <laughs> the second reason, they think it's hard and it's tough to do, which really isn't. It just takes you to sit down and, and set some short-term and long-term goals. You know, it's interesting. There was a study done by Harvard many years ago where, they, where there were a certain percentage of people who actually, they wanted to know what percentage of the, of the Harvard graduates had goals when they graduated. And the answer was about 4%. They then did the same study of that group about 40 years later, and they wanted to know, what percentage of those people were multimillionaires? Guess what? Four <laughs> percent. I see. It really makes a difference. It's hard to get okay, good. We're, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Sandy Botkin. Uh, he's the author of Achieve Financial Freedom Big Time, and his uh, website is at taxreductioninstitute.com. We'll be back after this. up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Are you and your family in debt? Today, over 40% of American households are spending more than they make. And that means our society is getting deeper and deeper in debt. Escape the Debt Trap with host and attorney Kenneth Neely is here to help you avoid the problems involved with debt, including rebuilding credit, filing bankruptcy, short-selling your home, resolving IRS tax problems, and much more. Escape the Debt Trap airs live every Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Sandy Bodkin. Uh, He is the president of the Tax Reduction Institute and author of a new book called Achieve Financial Freedom Big Time. Welcome back to the show, Sandy. Oh, it's great to be back. You have a chapter on what you call reserves, and just briefly kind of go through what kind of reserves people need and where they should be keeping their reserves today at a time 
and they're basically earning nothing in the bank or CDs or money market funds. Right. You know, it's funny. The first thing, I get people asking me all the time, I got a thousand bucks, five thousand bucks, whatever it is, where should I put my money? And the first thing I ask them is, what do you have available for emergencies? And they go, what do you mean? Well, if you lose your job or something like this, and you wouldn't believe how many people say to me, oh, well, I've got an IRA, or I've got cash in my cash value in life insurance. And they don't realize that is not money for reserves. Everyone, and I hope I, everybody's listening to me, everyone should have a reserve for contingency. And a reserve, just by definition, is a risk-free fund of money that you can use for emergencies, large ticket items that you incur in the next two to three years, or you expect to incur, and uh, unexpected uh, events. Now, Even if you earn nothing on it. Even if you earn nothing. That's the next question. Where should I invest my reserve? The reserve should be invested. Your, your rate of return is immaterial. People should say that five times. I don't care if you make zero. The reserve has to be risk-free, and you have to be completely liquid. You can't have to wait six months or three months to get your money. It has to be completely liquid. Because if you lose your job, and you need that money, and you can't get to it, that's a major problem. So it's now, be Some people say you should have three months of reserves or six months. How many months of salary and reserves realistically should people have put aside? Okay. A lot of it depends on the type of job you have. If you have one of these really secure jobs, you're with the federal government, your chances of being laid off are very, very slim. You don't need as much versus if, say, you were in private industry and you have a very insecure kind of job. Generally, the rule is this, and I have a great formula that I don't think anybody's going to read anywhere, in fact. The formula is this. Assuming that you have a, you know, it's not a guaranteed secure job, for sure. Number one, 12 months of living expenses. So whatever your living expenses are for the, for the year, 12 months. Why? Because it normally takes 12 months to find a job. Secondly, you want at least $10,000 for unanticipated big expenses. An example would be uh, the roof repair. You need a new car. You need something big. You need a big deal. Something happens. I just, I just had two implants put in my mouth. If I didn't have a reserve, that, you know, that's like $5,000 a piece. So it's 12 months of living expenses plus 10000 for big unanticipated expense, plus any large expense that you expect to incur within three years. What's a large expense you expect to incur? It could be a wedding. It could be college, a big medical that you like a big dental deal. I have, there are a lot of people who saved up for college education, and then when the stock market dropped, they lost 50% of their assets, and they all of a sudden figured, oh, now I don't have the money for college. The reason was they didn't put that money in a reserve account. So, so that's an awful lot of money you're talking about people putting aside. That's correct. Most people in this country live paycheck to paycheck. They can't hardly save anything. Never mind. Well, go over some how to do, avoid that problem. That's, that's going to be the next problem. And okay. finally, if you start a business, for whatever reason, you're probably going to need about two years of business and personal overhead just to cover you while your business is trying to make you money. So the bottom line is 12 months of living expenses, unless you have a very, very, very secure job, uh, or you have someone else working who's making a lot of money and the chance of them losing their job are slim, $10,000 for unanticipated big expenses and any large expense you incur, you expect to incur within the next two to three years. Okay. That's a reserve, and it should be risk-free. Forget about your rate of return. Now, what, is that, what should that mean? Well, it could be in your mattress. I'm only kidding. Uh, it could be in a money market. It could be a savings account. Uh, it should not be generally things like uh, S-Series E bonds, because normally it takes six months to get your money out of there, unless you have six, mo six months of savings somewhere. Uh, it should not be in the stock market, because the stock market can go up and down. It should not be in bonds, 
because bond prices can change based on interest rates, among other factors. It's got to be things that you can have liquid and safe, period. Okay. Uh, you also have a chapter on compound interest, which uh, you, uh, and, you and Einstein together call the eighth wonder of the world. What is it that most people do not understand about the power of compound interest? Compounding, you know, as you know, is a huge, huge deal. I mean, the bankers know a lot about this, and that's why I interviewed a banker on this one. And, and that's why and the, the bankers know certain things. They know that slight increases in interest hugely magnify your returns. And slight increases in the years hugely magnify your return. So I, I give you an example. Um, here's, this is something that a lot of people don't know. Most people, when they put money away into an IRA, I mean, they do that, or a 401k, they always do it at the end of the year. I don't know why they do it at the end of the year, but they do. Or even worse, many of them actually do it the next year, like before April, and so they can get a deduction for the prior year. Like, and every time I go on the radio, I go on TV, I always have some commentator who's not as smart as you are telling me, oh, what can they do now? It's now April 10th. Of course, they want me to say put money into the IRA now for the prior year. Here's an interesting statistic. I actually ran the numbers. Assuming you can make 5% on your money, if you put away $5,000 a year for 40 years, you do this throughout your entire life, and you do it at the end of each year, and then you put that same $5,000 away at the beginning of the year. Same money, same 40 years, but one's at the beginning, one's at the end. Depending on your rate of return you, you want to anticipate, it's going to be somewhere between fifty dollars and $80,000 more at retirement by putting it at the beginning of the year. Because you have more time for it to be compounding. Because you have more time for the compounding. I mean, I, I, another interesting fact, okay? Here's somebody, if you, for 40 years, you put away 5000 away for 40 years, at 6%, you'll have $874,000. You, you increase the rate to 9%, which is another three percentage points. Instead of 874000 you have $2 million. Slight increases of interest dramatically increase your rate of return, and slight increases in years dramatically increase your rate of return. And that's why bankers want to do the reverse to you. What do bankers want? They want to get as high an interest rate as they can, and more importantly, they don't want, to get, they don't want you to take out a 15-year mortgage. What do they want? They want a 30-year or even a 40-year mortgage. Remember, slight increases in, 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 in interest rates or in payment can, can reduce it tremendously, whereas if you increase the years, it increases to, for them their rate of return. And this is why they like you to refinance as well, because you start the clock all over again with another that's 30 right. years. That's why they love you to refinance. That's exactly right. You stop the clock, and then you've got a whole new bunch of years. Right. <laughs> that's exactly right. It's the dumbest. It's absolutely outrageous that the people don't understand this. And by the way, there's two very good formulas that I want to share with people, one of which many people know. The other one, I, I, even I didn't know. The first formula is how long does it take for your money to double? Let's say you start off with $100,000, you want 200000 in six years, in eight years, ten years, because you have uh, college education coming up. How long will it take to double? And that's called the rule of 72. And the way it works is to double your money, you take the number 72. I'm not quite sure how they ever developed this. I think Einstein got this one. You divide it by the interest rate that you want to get, and that will give you the number of years it will take to double your money. So, for example, if you take 72 and you're currently getting 6%, that means it'll take you 12 years to double your money. If you want to double your money, and you can, you can vary, you can play with these interest rates. Now, how long will it take to triple your money? Many people didn't know this one. I didn't know this one. If you want to triple your money, the rule is take the number 115, divide it by your interest rate, and that will give you the number of years it takes to triple your savings. 
So if I start off with $100,000 and I make, uh, let's say I'm, I make 6% of my money, 6% into 115 is 19 years. That means in 19 years, my 100000 will be worth $300,000. You have a whole chapter on saving money, which you call the real secret to wealth. What are some ways that people can start saving? Because a lot of people are not saving much, if at all, these days. All right, this is a long chapter. <laughs> if you have an upcoming commercial, you may want to have a commercial soon because we got a lot of stuff in here. There's a couple of secrets to saving. As you said, you know, one of the things that really surprised me is the fact how little the average American has in net worth and how much they have saved. Let me get share with you just a couple of statistics that I found in my book, and I found them around the web. The average American has $3,800 in the bank. 50% of American households don't even have a retirement account. 50% of households with retirement accounts that do have it only have 35000 saved up per family. The average American's family owns a house worth 160000 of which 95000 is mortgaged. I mean, 25% of households have no savings, none, zero. 24% have postponed retirement because they can't afford to retire. And only 18% are very confident about their retirement situation. I was just reading in the Washington Post. They have postal workers. They, the post office announced three workers who are age 98 or older. Imagine <laughs> you having to work until age 98, Jordan, or older. Uh -huh. I, I they didn't say enough. I mean, it's not funny. It really isn't. I was in Miami Beach. I was pointing out the Miami Herald. There was an article about a couple eating dog food. Listen to this, dog food, because they couldn't afford to live on their savings and their retirement. Yeah. So you, you've got to start early and have it really grow for you. Even though a lot of people just don't and get around to it. That's where compounding comes into play. Remember that compounding rule. If you start, you give yourself a few extra years, you dramatically increase your, your savings. If you increase your interest a little bit, you dramatically increase your savings. So which means you want to start early. All of this is, is cohesive. You can't read one chapter without also looking at the other chapter. It's kind of like a holistic thing. You've got to take everything into account here. So, now, uh, we have about a minute to go before the break. Just give us one of the ideas that people can use to start saving uh, on a consistent basis. Okay. Here's the deal. Pay yourself first. You know, most people never worry about it. They pay their bills and they figure, oh, whatever's left over, no. You pay yourself first. What you do is you put away X, X dollars, like 10%, and the difference you pay for, for your expenses. And people ask, well, how do I do that? Let me give you a real trick. And this is probably one of the biggest secrets around. The IRS does this. They do it with withholding. They withhold taxes and let you live on what's left over. You need to do the same thing. Just have extra withholding. You can do that for savings, and then you live on what's left over. So you're saying you get a bigger refund at the end of the year. You get a bigger refund, and then use that money to invest. You can invest it in a lot of ways. I mean, most people think that's the worst way to save because you're guaranteed never to earn anything on a refund. There's no question you don't earn money on a refund, but at least it'll force you to save money. If you can't, if you can't save money, it's better than not doing it at all. I see. Okay, very good. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Sandy Botkin. Uh, he's the president of the Tax Reduction Institute. Uh, he has come out with a new book called Achieve Financial Freedom Big Time. Uh, and his website is taxreductioninstitute.com. We'll be back after this. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network.
Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Sandy Botkin. Uh, He's an attorney and CPA, uh, also president of the Tax Reduction Institute, and author of a new book called Achieve Financial Freedom Big Time. Welcome back to the show, Sandy. It's a pleasure to be back. We have a lot to cover, so let's talk about saving for college. A huge expense. A lot of people aren't sure it's worth it, but it's rising much higher than inflation. What are some ways that people can save for college you talked about in the book? There's a lot of really good things. And again, i got a whole chapter. We're just going to touch the surface. We have a 30,000-foot overview here. One of the best ways that I can think of is prepaid tuition plans. And there's two kinds of them. The first kind is where you're in a lot of states is where you can put away a set amount of money. I did this in Maryland, in fact. And it covers four years of tuition and required fees for your state university, no matter how much the state university is going to be at that time. Even if the, even if the tuition triples, it covers four years. And that's called a, qual- a prepaid tuition plan. It covers most state universities. You think those are good ideas? Because a lot of states have got way over their heads and stopped the plans or didn't want to keep funding them because the, well, you the know, costs are much higher than anticipated. You're right. There's been a lot of writers who have said that, but I don't know of any state personally that has defaulted on that. And most of the states have been able to uh, come through completely. But you're right. There's always that potential risk. So are, states, are they continuing to offer it? I thought some of them had stopped new new. Uh, enrollment, uh, they were going to uh, honor the existing ones. Maryland, and I know Maryland's still offering with no problem. They've been advertising like crazy, in fact. I see. Okay. So, uh, so that's, that's called prepaid tuition. There's also a private prepaid tuition plan available. Within that, and there's about 200 uh, private schools that participate. And as you do a search on the web, you'll find that. that, that that's also available. Now, the second type of plan is called a normal, what's called a full, it's called a, um, a qualified savings plan. This is sort of like a mutual fund. 
but you put the money in, and there's no limit. Like a prepaid uh, tuition plan has a limit, four years of tuition. Here, uh, there's no general limit, although there's some gift tax limits. But the point is you put away money each year. It could be $26,000, whatever it is, and that money is used for any school you want, for private school, for um, state school, any school. And that's called the Qualified Savings uh, Plan. And that can, that can also cover things like, uh, it's, by the way, it's also known as a Section 529 plan. It's yeah. got great flexibility. If your kid doesn't want to go, you can use it for another child. You can use it for a grandchild. You can use it for your niece, your nephew. I mean, it's very, very flexible. And so it's, and you can use it from any state. You don't have to use your own state's plan, right? You do not have to use your own state's plan. It works for anybody. What now, state do you like? Uh, which, which 529 plan is your favorite? I'm sorry? Which 529 plan? Which state? 529 plan is your favorite. Well, the 529 is not, is not specifically state-oriented. The 529 is more by financial organizations. The ones that are state-oriented are the prepaid tuition plans. I see. Okay. 529 I mean, is more individual states like a, offer like a big financial 529 plans. And you can use it anywhere, any state. doesn't matter. Yeah. Now, there's also a Roth IRA. This is another really cool thing. A Roth IRA you can use for education, and it is tax-free. And you can put away up to 5000 a year into a Roth IRA, and that money can be used for college education for children or for grandchildren or nieces or nephews. And a lot of times people ask me, they say, well, wait a minute, Sandy, uh, my son, how has my son set up a Roth IRA? First of all, he's got to work. If you work in business, you can deduct the wages you pay him, and then the money goes, can go into the Roth IRA. But let's say you don't have a business. How does he have earned income? Well, he might have a job. Let's say he doesn't have a job. Now what? Well, you can hire him to do personal chores, make the bed, clean the room, clean the office, whatever. And it, although that's not deductible, it's still earned income, and he can then put the money into the Roth IRA. And kids under 18, by the way, are exempt from Social Security and federal unemployment tax. Plus, they get a standard deduction of 5950 bucks. So effectively, you can pay him $5,000 to do chores, and all that money is tax-free, and he can put that money into the Roth IRA. Great. Now, you think people should not take on a huge amount of debt to finance college. Why is that? You know, there's a lot of, you know, you come out of the high schools, and the high schools sort of gear you to think, oh, you want to go to the best, most expensive, finest school you can go to. And a lot of these great schools, these well-known schools, tell you, oh, yeah, come to us. We've got these great Ivies. They have these wonderful brochures, and they give you, they sort of make you feel like, oh, you're almost guaranteed a job until, of course, you don't get one. And then they say, we never made you any guarantees. You know, one of the biggest problems today is college indebtedness. It is a mammoth, mammoth problem. I was just reading, in fact, that the amount of, of college indebtedness that people are, are defaulting on is now exceeding that of credit card debt. It is a huge, huge problem. And the worst part about college indebtedness is you can't discharge it in bankruptcy. You are stuck with it for years, especially for undergraduate education. In my opinion, you know, people that look at these dream schools, I think they really need to take a second look and say, wait a minute, is there a better and cheaper alternative, such as a state university? I don't think anybody should pay over 50000 or should have over $50,000 of college debt. And by the way, I want to emphasize a couple of things here. The interest on college debt, college debt, when you pay interest on it, it's about 8%. It's very high. The interest on college debt, unless you make under a certain income, is not deductible. And even if you do make under that income, uh, if you, at, eight, at 8%, that means roughly $33,000. The most you can write off in college debt, the most, even if you make under that certain income, is $2,500. 
and that's the equivalent of about $33,000 of debt. So if you have more than 33, if you have 50, 60, 80, 100, you can only deduct interest on the first roughly $33,000 of debt. All that other debt at 8% is not deductible. Talk about expensive. I think people need to really rethink their whole priorities when it comes to colleges. And I think if they don't have the money incurring over $50,000, even over $40,000 of college debt for undergraduate education is insane. Now, if they get a, a good scholarship, fine. Let them go to that great school. If, for, if a graduate school, a professional school, they're already, I think, you should go to some of the best schools you can go to. But for undergraduate education, I think you're crazy incurring large amounts of debt. In fact, there's a whole debate now as to whether these academic all-stars who get into the Ivy schools, many of these kids can get full scholarships at their local state universities. Maybe they should do that. You know, if, you, if they have to pay full ride to Columbia or to Brown or to, or to Tufts or any of those other places, which could be, what, 50000 a year? If they can save $200,000 and instead go to their local state university tuition-free, that $200,000 can buy them a hell of a lot of future and provide them a hell of a lot of security. Yeah. All right, I want to keep moving on here. Your next chapter is about getting out of debt forever. You have a whole lot of uh, ideas here, but what are some ways that people can get out of debt, not college debt, but credit card and other kind of debt we're talking about? All right. First of all, let me mention a couple of things here. You know, one thing I want to emphasize is that that's very, very important. When you co-sign a loan, you are jointly liable on that loan. And there's a lot of parents who are co-signing for loans, such as college loans and others, for their kids. And all of a sudden, the kid can't pay the loan, and guess what? The parent's stuck with that loan. And there's a really interesting recent case, by the way, of a kid who died with a big college loan. The parent co-signed. The government let him off the loan. Obviously, he died, so he didn't have to pay it, so he was, he was discharged. But because the parents co-signed on the loan, they were liable for the loan, even though their child died. So you've got to be very careful on co-signing a loan. Now, a lot of what you talk about getting out of debt is kind of psychological, not just financial. What, what are some of the ways people get into debt psychologically? Let me give you a good example. One of the things I talk in my book <laughs> is a need versus a want. Now, what is that? You know, we, need, we might need to buy a car. We don't need to buy a Mercedes. We might need to buy clothes. We don't have to go to Nordstrom when Nordstrom Rack might, or Target might work just as well. You know, there's a lot of ways to cut our spending. If we can just if we can evaluate what is our needs and fulfill those and forget about the wants, that's gonna that will save a tremendous amount of money. I know a lady who um, she was a, she was a very successful realtor, but she didn't you know she stopped being successful when when the market tanked, and she just recently bought a Mercedes when she could no more afford a Mercedes than a man on the moon, because that was her want. She was in denial, and that's another problem. People are in denial. You know, and how do you know you're in denial? When you max out your credit limit, you still think you're in good shape. Or your debt isn't being reduced. Even worse, it's increasing. Or over 27% of your income is now being used for payments. At that point, you got serious problems. And there's all kinds of other ways that people should worry about in my book. I mean, for example, one of the things I mentioned is never to borrow for a consumer good. Because consumer goods generally decline in value. So you don't want to borrow to buy a dishwasher. You don't want to borrow to buy a car if you can. You don't want to borrow to buy the, the, the real consumer goods, the, the, the Christmas gifts for your kids and things like that. You want to save up. That's where the reserve comes in. You also have a whole section on dealing with the credit bureaus and people's FICO and credit scores. What, what do people not know about their FICO scores and what should they do about it? Well, first of all, 
everybody needs to get their, their, score, their, their score. They need to know exactly what creditors are saying about you and what bad things are on your credit. A lot of people don't know this. In fact, an, it was an interesting study that almost 50% of all the credit scores that come out of these credit agencies are wrong. They have errors. It is, it is astounding that there is that kind of a huge amount of errors. So you need to get your credit score to see what's going on. You need to do that for two reasons. One, to see if there's an error, in which case then you need to write the agency. They need to respond to you within 30 days or they need to take it off. The second problem is identity theft. Ident and I get into that into more detail into the scams chapter. I have a whole chapter on scams, slams, and shams. But there's a tremendous amount of identity theft going on. If you don't get your credit reports, you don't know when somebody all of a sudden has taken out a loan in your name. You don't know if somebody is buying a take, or going for a mortgage or anything else for that matter. You've got to get those credit reports. The most important thing I can think of is to get those, those credit reports once a year at least and look it over. Don't just get it and throw it away. Look it over and see if everything is valid. And if it's not, contact the, the, uh, the credit bureau who sent you the reports and at, tell them it's wrong and, and tell them why. And if you have any proof, send them that. And then, and then they have 30 days to respond or take it off. Now, when you get those, you can get your credit report, but you cannot get your credit score. You have to pay for your credit score. Uh, no, you, you can actually get your credit score. You can find out what your score is. I get it. I mean, no, I, I get it in a credit reporting agency. But anyway, uh, uh, I, I so if you, if you find mistakes, you, you go back to the original creditor, or how do you get mistakes off your credit report? Well, if you find a mistake, there's a couple options here. You, one, one option is you can contact the original creditor. That's one way. I think it's a lot easier to simply go back to the credit reporting agency, either TransUnion or Equifax. There's a third one, actually. And tell them, hey, there's a mistake. This is not valid. Here's why it's not valid. They will then contact the original creditor. And I might send a copy of that to the original creditor, by the way, send a copy of that letter. And they'll then contact the creditor to see what the problem is. And if they don't... You know, if they don't, they, if, if they don't do anything within 30 days, they have to take it off. So they have basically 30 days to either give you a response or to or remove it. Yeah. In many cases, they don't do it anyway. But no, that, that may be true. But then you've yeah. got a court and sue them for damages if you lose, if you have some credit that you, you got disallowed for one reason or another. There, by the way, there's three credit reporting agencies. There's TransUnion, Experion, and Equifax. It's not a bad idea to subscribe to a service like, like freecredit.com and some of these other places. They give you a copy of each of those reports because they may not all be exactly the same. They may be a little bit different. Yes, indeed. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Sandy Bodkin. Uh, he is a certified public accountant, a CPA, uh, attorney, uh, president of the Tax Reduction Institute, and author of a new book called Achieve Financial Freedom Big Time. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. 
Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Sandy Bodkin. He's an attorney, a CPA, a president of the Tax Reduction Institute, and author of a new book called Achieve Financial Freedom Big Time. Welcome back to the show, Sandy. Oh, it's a pleasure to be back. You have a whole chapter on what you call scams, slams, and shams. Lots of ways people being defrauded out there. Before we get into some of the details, why is it that people get defrauded so often when everybody's got their radar up to avoid being defrauded? Well, there's a lot of reasons. Uh, ignorance, believe it or not, is a big reason. Second reason is, is you know, the people, you, you heard the word um, con artist. I don't know if you know what the word con stands for. It stands for confidence. Mm-hmm. These people are experts at building confidence in people. And therefore, you feel like, oh, I, I want to, I, I can trust this guy. It is, I mean, I've been, I've been doing a seminar for a number of years with a very famous individual who I'm not going to mention. And this guy is, we written, he wrote a, a major book. And by the way, a lot of these books that there are bestsellers, they got become bestsellers because the person brought the book back from the bookseller. That's how they became bestsellers, okay? But, you know, he, and he, and he, was, he seems like a terrific guy. In the meanwhile, you know, he gets, he gets large amounts of money on everything sold, everything going on, and nobody really knows. He doesn't check out the people who um, he has on his program. I know, I know one, one guy was selling real estate in Dominican Republic. He never checked it out. And then when the people tried to buy it, they couldn't contact the guy. You know, they, 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 and a lot of it is greed. A lot of them just see all this money, these dollar signs, and they don't. They, they, they lose their common sense. So I think those are the main reasons. All right. Now you have 12, we'll go through these quickly, 12 top tax scams. Uh, I guess basically people try to get tax benefits that aren't there. Let's go through them briefly. The first one is phishing letters or emails. What, what do right. people watch out for there? This is probably the biggest of all 12. You get all kinds of letters from the IRS and many other ways, uh, looking absolutely professional, looking absolutely like it came from the agency, claiming that you, that you owe a refund or some other reason they're going to audit you. But in order to, to clear up this error or to get the refund, you've got to prove you're you. So they give you a phone number to call where they ask for your personal information to make sure you're you. And once they have your personal information, that's just that ends your problem. That, that begins your problem because then you have all kinds of identity theft. 
I can assure you, IRS and a lot of these other federal agencies will never ask you for your personal information over the phone. Don't give it. Don't give it in an email. Don't give it in writing. They have the information. You don't give it. Next one is economic stimulus payments. Uh, this is still going on, even though the stimulus program's finished about two years ago or so. Right. This is a, a trick into revealing your financial information, where they say, "Hey, you're entitled to this economic stimulus. You, you, you probably didn't get it a few years ago. Well, guess what? It's still available to you." <laughs> and they want to ask for personal information to make sure uh, that you can get this stimulus. Again, IRS will never ask for this type of information. They will never ask for your social security number or bank account routing information. So don't give it. Next one is frivolous tax arguments. All right, this has been going on forever. In fact, the judges are so bored of this stuff that they are asserting the government's legal fees against people who claim these things. And this is where, and I've seen this. I actually went to a seminar of a guy who came out really well-dressed, sounded professional, sounded like he knew what he was doing, and he talks about how he doesn't pay tax for 20 years. And Believe me, when you hear something like that, you need to run in the opposite direction. And there's all kinds of garbage arguments. Taxes are unconstitutional or not codified properly by Congress. Or um, you get some kind of non-existent mariner's deduction or a slavery tax credit, also garbage. Tax filings are voluntary. I'm sure some of you may have heard of that. No, they're not really voluntary, <laughs> and you really got to file. Or taxes only required for the federal employees. I mean, there's a whole host of these things, probably, probably 60 of these arguments. None of them are valid. The courts do not accept them, and people are paying all kinds of penalties for, for going through with this nonsense. Is, is this also true if you're part of a, it's against your religion or you're part of an Indian tribe as a way to get away from taxes? Well, Indian tribes actually have a special deal where they're usually exempt from state tax, but not federal. They I see. It's federal tax. Okay, very good. Next one is fuel credits. What is the scam there? Another one. Uh, it's another prominent scam. Uh, where, where there's some truth. You know, a lot of times scams, there are some truth behind it, where farmers and some others are allowed a fuel credit for the use of vehicles for off-highway um, business purposes, well, you know, things like tractors and things like this. The problem is some individuals and some fraudulent accountants are claiming the credit for non-taxable uses of the fuel, just for driving to work or whatever when the taxpayer's occupation or income level makes the claim completely unreasonable. So you've got to watch people saying these things. And by the way, there's yeah. another major problem. A lot of accountants, believe it or not, are now getting into trouble with the government for claiming fraudulent things. You know, when I was growing up and met when I was a lot younger, maybe 30, 40 years ago, maybe one or two accountants were, were disbarred or in trouble with the government. Today, typically, I pick up an IRS publication, usually list the accountants who, are, who have been disbarred. You're talking between accountants and lawyers, between 10 and 30 every single time, every single week. I mean, it's huge, much more than it used to be. You also talk about hiding income offshore. Now, supposedly, uh, Swiss banks aren't hiding your status anymore, and you can get in trouble by keeping money there, the Cayman Islands. So why, why are people still trying to do that? You know what? There's all kinds of, of nonsense people are telling them, oh, we, we have privacy. It's very, very private. No one ever finds out. The IRS won't find out. Or we'll pay you on your credit card. If it's on a credit card, nobody can find out, and you won't have to pay tax on. The government finds out. They do cut deals, like they did with the Swiss bank accounts. Swiss used to be very private, and it was very private for many years. The IRS have cut a deal with these things, and now they're getting hold of a lot of the clients that are, are, the, are the people who are participating in these Swiss bank accounts. And if they didn't report their income, all that's getting sent to the IRS. The IRS has gotten a lot smarter about this stuff, I can tell you. 
And by the way, U.S. citizens are taxed on worldwide income. Do not believe that if you put your money in certain jurisdictions, you don't pay tax. You are taxed on your worldwide income. Next one you have is abusing uh, retirement account arrangements, IRAs. How do people abuse those? Well, I'll give you an example. The way, the way it works, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to abuse it, but I'll give you one example that IRS gave. When you, you're allowed to put money into a retirement account, okay, when you have a Roth IRA, a regular IRA, what you're not allowed to put in is property. <laughs> you can't transfer stock, for example. You can't transfer a business. That you can't do. Also, a lot of people are running businesses out of their retirement account, where the business buys stock from their individual. These are usually prohibited transactions, which are not allowed, and then it runs the business, which in many cases can be a prohibited transaction, especially if it's, if it's inuring to your benefit. You gotta watch these things. There's a lot of, you know, these retirement accounts are very limited as to what they can do. They can invest normally in stocks and bonds and mutual funds and real estate, and that's it. If they're buying things from you, or they're buying your stock, or they're conducting a business that you're being paid on, that could be a problem. That could actually disallow uh-huh. their whole retirement accounts. And then you have people claiming zero wages. How could they do that? Uh, it's another nonsense thing. This is where you file IRS Form 4852, which is like a substituted W-2, and they try to get a, or they try to get amended 1099s or amended W-2s, claiming that they didn't really earn this kind of income. And in order to get a much larger refund than they're entitled to. Uh, my, my point is don't get fooled into this kind of scam because they don't work. And then you're saying some people file false claims for refunds. That could get you into trouble with the IRS, I Absolutely. And I see that all, a lot of that happens with identity theft, where somebody uh, has a false identity, got your social security number, and claims a big claim for refund and tries to get your check that you, uh, with, uh, that you had withheld. And then you say this, we mentioned this before, there's return preparer fraud. Uh, more than in the past. This is a big deal, uh, Jordan. A lot of tax preparers are doing wrong things that they shouldn't be doing. I met one guy who told me he has this great accountant because he, he gives him $5,000 more in charity than he ever paid for. <laughs> the IRS finds out about those people, and they audit every single person that accountant prepared. You know, you want a good, aggressive accountant, but you also want someone who's honest at the same time. You said people are disguising corporate ownership to avoid taxes. How do they do that? Well, I'm not saying this. is IRS saying these things. Um, some folks are forming entities in some states in order to hide the owner's identity, uh, and then they, they, they conduct a wide array of, of illegal activities, such as hiding income, laundering money from illegal activities, and all kinds of other stuff that IRS is working with these state authorities to get this information. I can assure you that there's no entity that can guarantee complete shielding. In fact, that was funny. I have a friend of mine who, who forms corporations in Nevada, and he even says, Nevada has, it announces that we have privacy, nobody can find out who you are, and we, we can guarantee complete shielding from any creditor. What he doesn't say is he cannot guarantee complete shielding from the IRS. No one, no state, no entity can guarantee complete shielding from the IRS, especially if you're committing any kind of fraud. So do not be fooled into thinking that this entity or this state can be used to hide income or can you can to prepare for a fraud, because I promise you it can be pierced. Very good. Well, we've just covered a small amount of Sandy's book. Uh, his new book is called Achieve Financial Freedom, uh, Big Time. Uh, we're going to have another session uh, with Sandy because there's so many other good ideas he has in this book. Um, so for now, uh, we're going to say goodbye to Sandy Vodkin. Sandy uh, is, is uh, the uh, certified uh, public accountant, CPA, and uh, author uh, of the new book called Achieve Financial Freedom Big Time. He's also the president of the Tax Reduction Institute. You can find out more about him at taxreductioninstitute.com. And his uh, application's app is taxbot.com. Thanks so much for being on the Money Answer Show, Sandy, and we'll see you another time. Great.
And we'll be back with another edition of the Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.